Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another show. And uh, Cody, I am I am still all hyped up on Nas Reed juice from uh, from last night's game between the Timberwolves and the the Warriors. If you missed it, the Warriors were up twelve in the fourth quarter. So you know what that means: loss incoming. Uh, hopefully, it's not too soon. For all our Golden State fans out there, but um, it, it was an inspired performance from the Wolves bench. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell is one of those hot guys. Like when he gets hot, three, four, five threes in a row could be coming without the rim being touched by the ball. He had like twelve or fourteen points in a row. Anthony Edwards didn't even need to play in most of the fourth quarter because the Timberwolves bench was doing so much work out there. And then he came back in, had a few big buckets late, but. Um, we had, a, we had a video on the More Thinking Basketball channel all about the exploits of, of Nas Reed. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a fun role player. He is a fun role player. And D'Angelo Russell being in Minnesota, it's not quite hot boy summer. It would have to be like hot boy winter or warm boy winter or something like that. I think it's the best way to describe him. Unfortunately, though, Ben, uh, because I am a rule follower, I was uh, legally unable to watch the game yesterday. Legally so I was unable. Able, legally unable to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was able to watch vicariously through your excitement, though, because people, B- Ben is sending us all, the thinking basketball people, all of a sudden, Nas Reed is all over this fourth quarter. <laughs> Video clip. Vi- watch Nas Reed in this clip. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? And then I wake up today, it's it's my lunch break, and all of a sudden, it's like Nas Reed video. I'm like, oh my god, Ben was really cooking on this. Can you can you talk me through what made you so excited about Nas Reed in, in this fourth quarter performance? Videos like that make themselves. I don't have to do anything. It's just the, the natural excitement of watching a game and seeing someone who... You know, I like Nas Reed as a bench guy. I, I think he's a sort of versatile defender and then he has some very interesting skills as an offensive player despite not really having any primary offensive skills as as an offensive player you know he's he's not going to cook you and hit a step back and shoot 37 percent from three or anything like that so he's always been a, a interesting piece especially the way Minnesota likes to defend there and just for him to score a ton of points and make a ton of plays and you get to see some handle and spin moves and extra passes which he's really nice at and then flash all this stuff defensively where he can switch he can protect the rim he's flying all over the court hustling and Cody this all happened in 10 minutes like this wasn't a highlight this was 10 minutes against the Warriors and a big comeback win so to me those kind of videos just make themselves He's an incredibly agile player. Like it, it, it kind of blows your mind when you see him perform the way that he's kind of able to to pirouette around. I think his yes. nickname, his nickname is Big Jelly, right? Because I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the whole Jelly Fam thing? Do you know about jellying? This sounds like a thing I once knew about and have now forgotten. <laughs> I remember this years ago, and I, I was teaching at elsewhere, and my students were talking about it. To jelly, you know, it's, it's the opposite of jamming, right? Because when you jam, you throw it down as a dunk. But jelly is when you go back, you have like a tomahawk side sort of thing, but then you change it into a finger roll at the last minute. And Ooh. he was part of this group that was part of the Jelly fam, so his nickname is, is Big Jelly, and it translates because he has that smoothness on the court. And I think that's really his calling card is the smoothness that he brings to his movements on offense. You know... I liked this video that I made before finding out this information. And now I just think it's a tragedy that I went through this entire video and didn't get to yell out Big Jelly. Big because... Je- Would you have made the thumbnail just like a PB&J? <sighs> Man, I don't know. Big Jelly is just a fantastic nickname. I made the thumbnail Nas Boost. I don't think anyone has gotten that <laughs> reference yet. Um Anyway, you you said something interesting there that I that I want to stop and sort of think about for a second. How many big guys in the league today move like this? I, f- I feel like twenty or thirty years ago it was hard to find basketball players anywhere in the world that had this fluidity and this dexterity. And yes, we talk about um, practicing and developing more skills when you're younger and shooting skills and ball handling skills. But the way some of these big guys move in today's game, it's absolutely incredible. And, of course, the game selects for a little bit more speed than it did power 20 or 30 years ago. So maybe that's what's happening. But, Cody, I, I was thinking about it last night. Like, this this is just a backup bench dude coming off the – backup big coming off the bench kind of dude. And, you know, 
he's out in transition taking like euro steps and and a li- not jamming but you know a little little jelly finger roll and um how many guys around the league are like this now i feel like there's a ton of them i mean got to start with like Giannis. i think Giannis is like the poster child for this um yeah well, he was I, he was the trendsetter certainly yeah man this is tough people are just not off the top of my head do you count like well, Sabonis as pascal, part of this pascal siakam i think well, i think kevin moves, durant then kevin durant i think you'd have to include as another one um you know maybe not after his back injury but what about like ben simmons it's another mm-hmm. you know really big guy who just has these fluid movements um there's a there's a lot of them out there, don't you think? Can I throw something at you? Is Speaking, it going to hurt? I <laughs> hold up the mitts, Ben. Here it comes. This is a fastball. Uh, just a couple dudes naming some old time players, Ben. Uh, let me ask you: Does he kind of remind you of Derek Coleman? Oh wow! Is well, that an mean, apt comparison? Do you mean the way he moves? Yeah. I'm. Can I go, Danny Manning? Ooh. I, oh, I feel Danny like it's Manning. a little bit more Danny Manning. Also, maybe the most underrated thing about Danny Manning, since we're going to do the guys sit around and name 1990s basketball <laughs> players, um, the wristband. I'm a big fan of if you're going to have the ball a lot and you're going to pass, right? You, you're going to throw some slipperiness out of behind your back and things like that. The wristband is a nice accessory. We don't see it a lot these days, do we? It's kind of It's kind of out of style. No, I feel like players used to have like a lot more. Like there'd be some players that would have like multiple bands on one. I, I don't know about you. When I was in middle school, I was definitely like, I had a wristband, right? I, had, I, tr- I tried the headband once in a while. It, I do it more with the hair now, but uh, you know, I, I thought wristbands were pretty cool back in the day. I couldn't play without accessories. I had multiple <laughs> bands on every appendage in my body. It's yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Uh, I felt naked without it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. I, although like the trend with the the like, under legging thing that go down to your leg i can't do that i need my legs revealed man like i need to breathe out there when i'm running around i need to feel the air like whistling through through my quads like that's what i need i can't cover the whole thing covered this is the content people came here for today um you you know the nas reed conversation though it has me has me thinking of another bench player that i love did you see this knicks lakers game the other night that went into overtime yeah, I, th- I caught the tail end of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel? I guess I'll say this publicly. I'm a I'm a big Quentin Grimes guy. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel oh, about Quentin you, Grimes? Did you see that pass? I think I actually I, I mentioned said, this before. Yeah, yeah. It's like this really classic old school kind of like Magic Johnson behind the the head kind of pass. I, I think he he pick and roll driving kind of baseline, just a little a subtle boom hits the guy for the dunk. That was really smooth, but. Uh, yeah, I like Grimes. I think he's a really solid defender. Like I said, he can bust out some interesting stuff on on uh, offense like that once in a while. I, I'm a huge fan of him. I think they have something really interesting in New York. Is is that kind of what you're vibing with him? Yeah, yeah. He's he's just another one of these players that doesn't really have classic star skills. I mean, he's young, so I don't want to take that off the table for his development. But it's just what we were talking about with Nas Reed. You, you, you wouldn't think he has primary weapon offensive skills, but when I watch that guy play, like he just knows how to play on both ends of the court, and he fills his role right now so well. Um, it's not just 3 and D. Any, he is 3 and D, but it's not just 3 and D anymore because, like you said, you have to be able to – put the ball on the floor, make that extra pass that he made in that game. Uh, his The way he attacks closeouts. Does anybody go harder than Quentin Grimes? Quentin Grimes is like one of those guys that when you're playing the video game, you have the turbo boost pressed all the time. <laughs> he just never doesn't have turbo boost on. So he's got a great feel for for where to be and how to cut. He plays super hard. I, I think he's a lot of fun and, and helps make the Knicks a really interesting watch where there's a certain kind of pace and intensity and spunkiness to how they play around around those two southpaws, um, Julius Randle and our, our old friend, our old friend, Jalen Brunson, who is uh, continuing to cook in New York this year. Yeah, we haven't really talked about him. I think we had a couple like Jalen Brunson segments last year just extolling his greatness, and I don't think that's come up, but I got to tell you, Ben, I, I think the Knicks are interesting. I think this is the most fun I've had watching the Knicks over – Man, I don't even know how many years it's been. Like, even Randall, when he was having this, his really big season a couple of years ago, 
I still didn't find it quite as fun as this. And I think Jalen Brunson kind of brings a measuredness to their offense. He brings sort of a, the cadence, the ability to attack, the way that he kind of runs the show. I think it it makes them more watchable than they've been. And I just think they have a lot of really interesting parts. Like, they have a bunch of guys that, like, sure, you can point to them and be like, oh, I would prefer for this person not to do this kind of thing. Like, I would prefer Julius Randle to not pull up every other possession. But at the end of the day, you look at their strengths, I think they're really fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I also enjoy watching them, especially in Madison Square Garden. That's uh, one of my favorite games, uh, f- favorite venues for TV games and that viewing experience. And and Brunson is yet another example in a long line of these players where the year before, we, we talked about this when we had Jalen Brunson hour last year, uh, you look at his stats with and without Luka Doncic on the court. You look at his stats when he's sort of the lone star on the court, we of course talked about this a ton a couple weeks ago in our heliocentric rankings, uh, and then he goes to New York where he actually is given more primacy, and that role that he's playing when he's out there is more similar to what he was doing when Luca was on the bench last year. And all of a sudden, you get like, what are his raw numbers? Twenty-three points, six assists per game up from 16 points, five assists per game last year. And I bring this up to say there's so many times that people will look at you and go, hey, your per 36 numbers are great. Your per 75 numbers are great. But I really have to see it for the whole game. That's where you extract value. And it's like sometimes you can look at the context and look at the film and you can say, yes, I do think there's going to be a drop-off if you ask this player to do more. But so many times, Cody... When we're looking at these, you know, stats with other players on and off the court and you get a good enough sample and you can just watch the way Brunson plays, New York wasn't, you know, really making a reach by saying we're going to we're going to give you more primacy in the offense and expect the numbers are going to be similar or consistent. And that's exactly what happened. And if you look at his uh, sort of scoring rates um, I'm looking at our board here that we share with Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash thinking basketball last year he was about 20 points per 75 on plus two percent efficiency for the entire season and thus far this year his efficiency is down a little bit he's just below league average but he's up over 24 points per 75 he's creating more offense his passer rating is higher and this is exactly what you would have predicted just by looking at his splits when Luca went to the bench last season Yeah, and, you know, talking about being able to sort of shift up your role and do a little bit more, I think it makes sense seeing his his relative true shooting go down a little bit because I do think he's he's probably overtasked if you're like, we need you to be the best, the the leading creator on an offense that's going to be a top 10 offense or a championship level team or something like that. Of course, the pieces next to him aren't necessarily like going to be greasing the wheels on offense quite as much, right? But I do think if you're a team that's like still trying to figure out your way, I think landing a guy, like I said, that can steer the ship, a guy that like, you know, can take that front spot in a few different spots, but also can take a backseat and kind of play that next to Luca role that he played last year. Uh, he's, he's really just perfect for him. And I honestly think his passing his, uh, like you said, the pass ratings up. I think that part of his game does, it just even looks better on the film to me. Yeah. And, and, and the offense in New York is actually pretty good, right? Like when he's on the floor, the Knicks have a one nineteen offensive rating that's in the 85th percentile so you have an above average offense they're about two points better than league average throughout the season but to the point of this conversation when Brunson's out there and he's kind of doing Jalen Brunson things and you know he's I I don't want to I don't want to like go right back into Jalen Brunson hour from last year but such a master at using his body using hesitation using little fakes he's really one of the best players in the league I think at going the opposite direction on a screen. So either using the screen or rejecting the screen by just setting up his defender with like, hey, I'm looking one way and then I look the other way and then I cut back and, and cross over and all of a sudden I'm gone. I did it. I, I just, I, I couldn't help myself. We went right back into Jalen Brunson. Out. We've already done this. We did this last year when we talked about him. We can keep doing it because I think, I think what's really fascinating watching him 
is it kind of relates back to the the athleticism podcast you had where Jalen Brunson is just really not a classically athletic type of guy. Like he's not going to be above the rim. Uh, I don't think a straight line speed is necessarily at the top of the league. Like he's not going to outrun John Moran or something on the fast break. But when it comes to like the shiftiness with the ball, the ability to like use his weight and kind of throw people off course that way. If we were to have like a shiftiness rankings, he he's near the top at least. Like if we're talking point guards, like a guy that can just kind of like buzz around and skitter around and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm here. Oh, I'm throwing myself in front of you, throw you off, scooping up with a little lefty floater. He's he's just so good at that. And it's so interesting to see you to compare it to guys that like usually are just like, oh, we're just going to go straight to the basket. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so let's go back to last season in Dallas. Well, while we're, you know, here romanticizing... Jalen Brunson, um, what do you make of the sort of idea of where the Mavs are right now as an offense compared to where they were with him? Does, in other words, does Luca need multiple players who can kind of handle the ball and make decisions? Is it uh, is it really sort of Luca ball? We we actually don't need this many guys. Just having Spencer Dinwiddie out there i'm kind of thinking back to maybe the conversation we never ended up having in in the helio rankings uh, a couple weeks back about like how how are you feeling about Doncic and the mavs right now well i mean let's start with the fact that luke of Doncic is brilliant like he is he's a phenomenal basketball player right he can control the tempo of a game Better than maybe anyone. Jokic is there, so let's just like knock him out of there, right? I'm the one that brought up Jokic, everyone. Let's let's relax, okay? Uh, Doncic is right there at the top when it comes to just being able to control everything on an offense. The ability to just like manipulate defenses by looking off. To, I think there was recently, I forgot who they were playing against. Maybe it was a Pistons game. He's looking off someone in the corner, opens up Dwight Powell wide open for a little, uh, little you know, dump off, lay down, alley-oop type of pass. It's incredible. Right. It's incredible. I was able to do all that. With that said, uh, that's what I have. Uh, (laughs) Do do, do you want to fill in the blanks with that? You want me to just keep going with this? Because that's I don't know what to think about Luka Doncic, Ben. I just I genuinely don't when it comes to thinking about a high level championship level team. Okay, I mean, the Mavs offense is is like. In the 93rd percentile with him I on know. the court, though. They're, I they're, know. They have a 120 offensive rating when he's on the court. I think the addition of the post-up game that we've talked about this year has helped him get his true shooting up a little bit. Obviously, he's not like the greatest shooter in the world, but he is at, Cody, he is at 38% now over the last three seasons on his wide open threes, it's a relatively small sample because Luca is not a fan of taking open threes. He really likes to have someone covering him and then step back from 28 feet. But I mean, what I'm, what I'm getting at here is yes, I think if he becomes a better shooter, then you start to think about how this historically levels him up. Uh, because to me, he is in that space. He is in that space of all time, great offensive players. And if that shot can come in and kind of round out his offense, then, you know, 27 year old Luka Doncic, you're just going to be like, wow, this is, this is amazing. What's going on. But even without that, I think all the things he brings, the post up mid range, the way he uses his body, the way he manipulates defense. Uh, I do think you're talking about someone that is, is that good, um, but I don't know. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? You've had a lot of people, you've seen a lot of like James Harden, Luka Doncic kind of comparisons recently, right? Is, you know? Okay. Maybe? Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I want to get to that soon. I want to okay, talk about okay. specifically Luka for a second. So I'm thinking back er, earlier in January, like there's a matchup against the Lakers. And I know like this is a very small sample of of watching in this particular game, but I feel like it's like, 
I feel like it's my experience a lot of time watching the Mavericks. So I'm almost making like an aesthetic argument here. And I don't know if that has any bearing in anyone's like relevant way of com- coming to a conclusion. But I feel like it like, I don't know. Here, here's the situation. They start the fourth quarter, and I'm pretty sure they run like six straight plays where it's like a Luka iso or a Luka pick and roll, okay? And the Lakers are blitzing him or hard hedging or something like that. They're sending multiple guys at him just to get the ball out of his hand so that the, the Mavericks basically get to play four on three at this point, right? They can start whipping it around. In those six straight possessions, they score four points, okay? And I know, like, incredibly small sample size, like impossibly small, but it's like... The aesthetics of how that was happening. I was watching the process of those possessions being like, this is just gross. Like, is this really the best that you can whip out when you're kind of playing four on three in this situation? And I think like there are some teams like Toronto, if you look at like the the bottom three games where you look at Luka Doncic's field goal attempts in a game, Toronto has two of the top three, right? They won one of the games and then they lost one of the games by one. And I feel like they're so good at just like sending guys at Luka and being like, all right, we're going to have to have someone else beat you. And I don't know if this is a Jason Kidd thing with the Mavericks. I don't know if it's a personnel thing, and I don't know if it's a Luka thing. But I do know that when that sort of happens and you just throw bodies at him, the offense looks kind of gross. And when he goes into, I'm going to pull up from 20 feet with 18 seconds on the shot clock, it looks kind of gross. And when he goes into spin move, going to take a contested shot instead of moving it, it looks kind of gross. And I feel like there's more grossness with his game than other high-level offensive superstars. It isn't isn't that a function of the teammates, though? I mean, I feel like sometimes we can get too stuck on a player's current situation or I want to say most recent situation. So Luca's only been in the league. What is his fifth year in the league? And yes, he did he did come out in his second year and just like announce I, I'm here. Uh, so he has been relevant at this level for a number of seasons four seasons but you know there's been a couple trades Porzingis in Porzingis out uh there's been a coaching change and you know they brought in Spencer Dinwiddie last year Brunson is out this year I I do think that we're we're talking about a small a relatively small collection of players that he's played with and so to me when I hear it you're like well they're double teaming this guy and then ugly things are happening. Well, when Steph Curry gets double teamed in Golden State, do ugly things happen necessarily? No, you want that. You want a second guy to go to the ball and create an advantage for your team to exploit. So to me, it just feels like what you're saying has less to do or almost nothing to do with Luka and more to do with the teammates around him. I think the comparison with Curry, though, is like this is happening because Luca's bringing the ball up. Like it's easy to double team him because he's the most dangerous when he's bringing the ball up and creating that way. But with Curry, if he gets off the ball, that's almost when he's more dangerous, right? If you get him off ball and running around, that's what causes chaos. But Luca, you double team him. He tosses to someone else. Is he going to move 10 feet for the rest of that? possession until he gets the ball back? And I think those are the kinds of things that concern me versus somebody like Steph Curry. And do you have the same do you have the same concerns for LeBron James or James Harden or anyone else who's been in that similar situation? I mean, with LeBron James, like I'm sort of holding Luca to a different standard right now because I see him as being a better offensive player than LeBron, right? Like no, LeBron- I, I I mean traditionally. I don't mean like, this season I don't mean this season's LeBron. I mean pick up pick a season when LeBron was younger. Like talking about peak LeBron, or, I mean, or pick pick James Harden's you know rocket season that you want to get into or whatever. Not not just this year. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so reductive to point to like let's say LeBron's success in the playoffs, and I know Lucas had some great individual success in the playoffs as well, but LeBron seemed to have I don't know did he have more of an element of figuring out or were his teams just better? I genuinely don't know, and I think that's something I'm having a hard time separating as well because I look at somebody like James Harden, too, and I know I think he gets unfairly bashed for his his playoff performances. I think James Harden has been quite a good playoff performer. I know he's had like a few stinkers of games that really stand out to you, like the 11 turnover types of games and only taking two shots and a half or something like that, but overall, like he still brings it pretty well. They had the best team that almost toppled the Warriors and, you know, run that simulation however many times, and they probably win that series. So I don't know. It's probably reductive, but I'm seeing them in those situations being like, 
they were able to do more. James Harden is a much better shooter. He's a better shooter off ball than him. LeBron can at least change the game a lot more on defense. So there's like these different elements of the game that they can bring and impact the game, whereas Luka doesn't quite have that. I didn't know you felt this way, Cody. I, I didn't know you felt this way about Luka. This, no. is, uh, this is a pessimistic take. It is a pessimistic take. It, man. I, I, I don't know. I think this started last year. I, I had like in our offensive player rankings, I think I had Trey Young above Luka and I think a couple of people came and be like, you're such a Luka hater. But I just, I genuinely don't know what else he's really bringing to the table if he doesn't have the ball. Like, it's sort of the same concerns I have about Trey Young, but Luka is like, he clearly has a lot more ways to battle a defense when he has the ball, especially in like a playoff settings. Like, I think his ability to post up, the fact that he's so much stronger, the fact that he does bring some rim protection chops just because of his body, well, maybe not rim protection as much as like post defense, but I just don't know how much more he impacts the game if he himself does not have the ball. Uh, by the way, I do think that having Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, absolutely right. Some of the other players that they had, that that's a, that's a pretty big difference. It's a materially large difference compared to what Luca has around him. And if you're just trying to make that like reductive comparison about you get doubled and then what happens after you get doubled? I do. You, you asked it. I don't know if you were being rhetorical, but I, I do think it's a pretty big difference with LeBron. Even with Harden, I mean, Harden and the Rockets, I think that was a really fascinating experiment because they just said, what if we have two of them? And it's not like Jordan and Pippen. It's not like, it's not like Twin Towers with Robinson and Duncan. It's more of like two of the exact same thing that are redundant with each other. But you can either take turns or when one goes to the bench, you like don't lose anything. And, and the Rockets, we've talked about this a lot lately with the Warriors. And we did an entire show on how I think the league is catching up to them a little bit and how things are different structurally just from team to team. Um, Bowser to Bowser, great follow on Twitter. He Absolutely. had he, he had an interesting post today about the Thunder and some of their switching and peel switching a lot against Golden State. That was the game he focused on specifically against Golden State. And it just jumped out to me like they were they weren't even that great at executing what he was talking about. But when you have five interchangeable guys, you don't have these classic laboring big men. You're just talking about a totally different defensive environment than what you had five or six years ago. And I think with the Rockets, to be able to play the style of ball they played in 2018 and 2019 and be ahead of the curve on that and have like Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, uh, Clint Capella, depending on the iteration you're talking about as a, as a rim runner, or um, what, Trevor Ariza. Just like make sure that you've got three-point shooters that can defend I do think those were all materially better. And it gets me thinking back to like Jalen Brunson because with Luca, what we've talked about is at the least you want guys that can put it on the deck and attack closeouts and attack advantages that he creates. And what you're describing with some of the, um, what do you, what do you call them? Gross, gross possessions. Yeah. Gross. Possessions. Yeah. Yeah. What you're, what you're describing with some of those possessions to me is, well, we can get it out of his hands because Dwight Powell can't really do anything as a short roll guy. They, they don't really have anyone that can continue that in, especially if Spencer Dinwiddie's on the bench, like who's it's going to, who, who is it going to be? So, I mean, to me, I, I'm, I'm more comfortable making the comparison about the skill sets of these players versus what's going on with the team around them. And Oh, by the way, they still have a 120 offensive rating with, with all this happening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me take a little heat off. Let me turn the burner down on this take just a, just a little bit. Jason Kidd is at the helm here. And I don't necessarily think that 
the sets that they run. I mean, there is more movement this year, but a lot of things still go back to being like, all right, we're going to six straight possessions of Luka Ball. Now, again, that could also be because of the guys around him. We just talked about that here. But, you know, we go back in time. We talk about LeBron and Wade fitting together. They still had a great team, right? The fit wasn't perfect, but what can LeBron do off ball? He can still cut. LeBron's a very good cutter. He can leak out and transition, right? Most probably the most devastating transition player in NBA history. James Harden. I think that was some of the concerns with James Harden, too, is how does he fit next to high-level players? He at least can, you know, he can shoot. He can't really add more to the, on the defensive end. LeBron could at least, like, you know, they go to the Miami trapping system. He's adding a lot of value there. Harden's not necessarily doing that. And then I look at Luka who's a worse shooter than than Harden, right? He's not able to get into transition quite like LeBron can. He can't quite uh, cut quite like he can. So even theoretically, like I know we haven't seen Luka in an ideal situation for him, but what do you even see with his skill sets that makes you be like, yes, next to a high-end player, these are the things he's going to bring to the table that are going to be additive to the team? I think LeBron to me is instructional here because these are the same questions that people asked about LeBron before he went to Miami to some degree, or even when he was in Miami, because uh, it's hard to go back in a time machine and remember this, but people thought the Heat were going to win like 75 games and be completely unstoppable. And then what did they start the year? Like nine and eight? Yeah. I think they started the year year nine and eight. And then as Dwayne Wade's knee started to catch up to him and things like that, you ended up shifting more back toward LeBron ball. And in fact... I think one of the most interesting data points in all of this stuff, and I've certainly talked about it before over the years, the Cavs' offensive rating, at least in the regular season, I personally don't think they were a better postseason team, but in the regular season, was better the first time around in Cleveland with LeBron and just like a bunch of dudes playing 3 and D roles around him or Mo Williams as a second-best player than when he went to Miami and teamed up not just with Dwayne Wade but with Chris Bosh. So there were questions there with LeBron. But I do think over the years, getting to see him with like the lineups with Kevin Love, Cody, where you have a super skilled shooter as a big man who also has some passing chops, can rebound and even even get in the post a little bit against mismatches when needed. Um, That like pick and pop opportunity that he created. And then Kyrie is not just another on ball player. But as we talked about, he's, he's one of the one of the better shooters in the history of the NBA. So I think it's having not just like, hey, we're going to put you next to another high-level player. It's about having better shooters around you the way they did in Houston with James Harden, but also having like, hey, here's a big man who can stretch the floor in an elite way, or here's a diverse guard or wing who can also do things and attack closeouts. I'm not saying it would be the exact same team construction as LeBron because they're different players. And as you've mentioned many times, the defensive side of things is very different. But I think it's instructional just to realize like we've only seen the one thing in Houston for a couple seasons, right? So why should we expect that it's going to look materially different if he has the opportunity to play with higher level players at those like upgraded Porzingis or something or upgraded Spencer Dinwiddie or something along those lines? But, I, you know, again, I I still don't necessarily know what those skills are going to be. Like, you bring up some of those situations and say we haven't seen them there. But if we do see them there, Ben, what what do you think he's bringing off ball next to other high-end players? You mean for Luka or the skills? Yeah, for, for Luka. For Luka. What are his skills off ball? Yeah. Like, what is he bringing to the table that's going to be additive with other players? Next well, I, yeah, no, I mean, I think this is where all these guys are are limited in their own ways compared to players who succeed uh, with either what I've called a hybrid style or primarily off-ball style. I think going forward, this is where his improvement in shooting is such a critical component. But, I mean, the answer to your question now is that he's going to take you right into the post. He's not completely idle off-ball. Like, I, I think of, go back to your Trey young Luca comparison, I think of Trey Young as being someone who's much more neutered when he gives up the ball. Like he'll stand there or he doesn't have size. So even on the occasional times where he cuts, it's not going to be the same thing. Luca's not a huge cutter, but he can flash to the post. He does, um, you know, have an incredible feel for the game and passing. And it takes me back to like Magic Johnson not being able to play the idealized, like drive the car, quarterback, push, push and transition showtime role what the Lakers had in the early 80s, there was another point guard there named Norm Nixon. So they said, Magic, you just you play like a hybrid. You just run around and do what you can. And um, 
Cody, I got to tell you, he's still a great passer. So he can still make good decisions. I, I would expect to see that kind of thing with Luca. If you're asking, like, what happens if he's next to another more ball dominant player? But I mean, this is the thing about ball dominant players is they can eat into their their value when they take up the uh, the court at the same time. So I'm just saying, like, the the LeBron examples to me are instructive because Kevin Love not necessarily a ball dominant player when you're that good of a pick and pop spacer. And it would just be nice to see uh, him be able to play with higher level offensive players sort of in that vein. You said a couple times now that LeBron is instructive and I get what you're saying with that, but I got to ask you when you're comparing like a one-to-one whose game do you think Luca matches up with more? Do you think he's more of a LeBron or do you think he's more of a Harden? I think he's more Harden personally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do think there are differences with Harden. I think his ability to play with his back to the basket mm-hmm. is the first huge difference. Actually, that's the second huge difference. The first one and the biggest one that has always been sort of a key reason why I've been a big Luka Doncic believer since before he came into the NBA is his size. He's enormous. So we saw it last year in the playoffs. There aren't many better players in the league today or even in the last decade who use the space to get themselves close to the basket and then just do whatever they they put you on like a puppet string, right? He just like starts manipulating. You remember what he did to Rudy Gobert last year with some of the up fakes when he got to the rim? I mean, he's just so good. Uh, earlier in the season in, in a video on him, I have the play against Bull Bull where he just moves the ball just like six inches and then Bull Bull's got the high center of gravity, lifts up on his toes. Luca can do whatever he wants. So I think those two things are materially different when you talk about like postseason scoring resume, um, if I were to compare him to Harden, but I do think it's much more similar to Harden in play style with dominating the ball, spread, pick, and roll. You know, Harden Harden used to like to dribble a lot to set you up. Luca has a little of that as well, where he needs a couple needs a couple dribbles to get you going, so he can manipulate you with a change of pace, change of direction kind of thing. Yeah, Harden's game is definitely more predicated on sort of that triple threat we talked about, the multiple dribbles before driving it. Do you, do you remember? I don't remember if it was the Bucks or the Jazz. Do you remember how like teams started to defend Harden on the perimeter? It was, it was the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. The Bucks where they would the have a guy team. just sitting on his left hand, just complete, like not even in front of him, like arms behind their back, like sitting on his left hand, trying to get him to drive right into the rim. And uh, you know, I mean. I feel like Harden gets trashed more than than he needs to when he's brought up because I think Harden in his prime, like we're talking about, I, I don't know what the ranking be, but he's got to be one of the greatest, one of the greatest regular season offensive players ever. And he's still a very good offensive player in the playoffs, but regular season speaking, like he put up some of the best individual numbers we've literally ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I feel the exact same way. I mean, if we're if we're saying like the playoff perspective that we usually take. You can name, for me, you can name 7, 8, 10, 12 guys that you might rather have than him. Um, but that's only because the the drop-off in the playoffs, like the regular season was so good, right? So bringing you back down a little bit means you're still ahead of almost the entire pack of players who have ever played. And it, Cody, you go back to like 2018 James Harden, the year he won MVP, 32 points per 75 in the regular season, plus 7% true shooting. Uh, he has one of the highest box plus minus numbers in my model ever in the history of that model that year that was plus 8.5 off the top of my head. I want to say that's like top 10-ish all time, maybe even less. So the Houston offense that year with him on the court, 118 offensive rating. Um, that might be average these days, but it was in the 98th percentile way back when, back in 2017, 2018, the, the, the year before Luca came into the league. So, um, yeah, I, 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 they're, they're, they're the most similar to me. I think if you were to ask me which guy is, is sort of stylistically closer to Luca, I think it would be Harden, but I do think there are material differences now that, probably pop up more in a playoff situation than in the regular season i'm so glad i'm so glad ben that you brought up box plus minus especially your model because we're about to play one of our favorite games called i'm gonna read some numbers which makes great radio are you ready for this how many numbers are you gonna read it's, um, it's enough numbers that the game has some validity ben 
Okay. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm bracing myself. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So this is just offensive box plus minus, right? Just the offensive side of the ball. Again, these stats you could find on thinkingbasketball.net. I decided like 2017, 18, 19 Harden is probably about his peak. I don't know if you'd, you'd uh, pick a different three-year peak, but I think that was just about it. In the regular season, his offensive box plus minus 17, 18, 19 were 6.5, 6.4, and 6. Okay, so it's three straight years of being above six, which is for anyone that doesn't just like, like I said, bathe in the spreadsheets once in a while. That's very good. Like a six offensive box plus minus. I don't know what the percentile is, but um, it's high. Okay, Luca, if we're looking at uh, 21, 22 and 23, right in 21, 3.1, 22, 3.7 this year, 4.8. Right, So 4.8 is still very high, but that is substantially lower than what Harden posted. Let's go back. Let's backtrack a little bit. Let's look at the playoff numbers because I think this is the big thing where people will bring up. It's like, yeah, but Luka's so much more successful in the playoffs. Starting again in 2017 for Harden, 5.4, 4.1, and then in 2019, 4.8. For Luka, going back to 2020 so we can get some more data, 4.4, 4.3 in 21, and then 4 in 2022. So he's at least closer in the ballpark, but if you look at those, Harden's offensive box plus minus numbers are actually still higher than Luka's in the playoffs. Do you think that that is telling us something here? Do you Would you go out on a limb and say that Luka's probably a better offensive player or that Harden's a better offensive player? Or is that just not a conversation you're particularly interested in? No, 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 no. I think the interesting thing there is is you're talking about 2020 to 22 Luka Doncic versus peak James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my head, peak James Harden has that. That that's okay. not a conversation that I think during the t- you know maybe because of the similarities and because of the sort of flashes that he showed against the Clippers in in 2020 and 2021 in each of those series where he just was doing so many crazy things. He hits the buzzer beater and things like that. Maybe you're thinking about it, but I'm pretty comfortable with Harden peak James Harden being a better offensive player than that version of Luka Doncic. I think the interesting thing is this season, one, the additions to his game, and two, just, uh, you know, Brunson's gone. And yet the way he looks and some of the numbers he's putting up, and we're only in the regular season, but that's where I think it becomes a very interesting thing to say, hey, if James Harden's one of the best offensive players ever, maybe, at least for my money, I don't put him in that like upper, upper, inner tier goat circle. But if he's in like the next tier, is Luka in that ballpark now? Has he has he succeeded, exceeded it in some small capacity? Is he still behind it? And to me, I don't know because I, I just want to see what happens in the playoffs. But I, but I do think this version has upgrades over the, over the time period that you're citing there. Okay. And yeah, you're completely right. We're talking about two different age groups here. Like Harden was definitely older than Luka is right now. And when we're talking like theoretical being able to handle in the playoffs, like I said, Harden's game is a lot more predicated on like bursting to the rim, drawing fouls, like his foul drawing numbers, his pull up three numbers. Ben, (laughs) what season was that? That was back in, in 2019. James Harden took 12 pull up threes a game. He took 12 pull up three pointers (laughs) in a game. Every game. That's Wait ridiculous. What? Yeah. 12 a game. I have, I have it at nine per 36 minutes. 12 is... Am I wrong? Am I just straight up lying to oh, the where, world? What's this? It's probably a different source. I don't know. I was looking at uh, NBA.com stats. Okay. All right. This, this numbers. 12. 12 a game. That's, that's ridiculous. That's right? crazy. Yeah. But when we think about the way that Luka can, can play, you talked about it a little bit before, right? He gets into the pinch post area. He likes to post up guys. He's a lot stronger. His fakes, Ben, good Lord, can he put a guy in a blender once in a while. Like the way that he can just kind of spin around, figure out just a little bit of space to squeeze off a shot. I think that sort of stuff, it opens the window in my mind to be able to maybe surpass Harden when it comes to the playoffs. Um Am I being too harsh? Let's do this on on air. Well, Am I being too harsh about Luca? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. it sounds a little. It sounds a little too harsh. Okay. It sounds a little too harsh. We'll we'll see. I didn't realize you had these feelings festering inside you. This is the first I'm hearing of this, ladies and gentlemen. So you know we're we're gonna have to massage this throughout the season. But I do think, for me at least. It's always fascinating to get to these pivot points in players' careers, like Jason Tatum a couple years ago. 
just leveling up right in the middle of the season. And then what I care about the most is like, okay, what's this going to look like in a playoff setting? And we can watch the regular season film and we can look at the numbers and we can try to look at splits and say, how does he do against elite defenses and things like that? So we can get an idea, we can predict, but it's, it's difficult sometimes to predict when your samples are limited. And in this case, to me, the, the limiting sample is we've got a newer and improved Luka Doncic, but he's only got the same 18. Like, we don't even have a trade this year. It's just like the same eight teammates that he's been playing with primarily this season with the one coach, Jason Kidd. That's it. So I'm going to start looking in the, in the playoffs moving forward. And I feel the same way about uh, Jokic. You brought him up earlier, so it doesn't count in this case. You can't drink on that. You can only drink on when uh, Cody brought it up earlier. In all seriousness, back to Luca and Harden because um, I want to I want to wrap on, on these numbers. You know, we we like to get get through our number reading as efficiently as possible. You mentioned all the pull up threes. I have it on our board from NBA uh, from from Second Spectrum Tracking. Excuse me. Harden took ten pull up threes per 36 minutes. Maybe he played like four. Did he play over 40 minutes a game? Maybe that's what's happening. Did he? T- Maybe 10 pull up threes per 36 in the year 2020. He made them at about 37%. The year before he took nine per 36. He made them at 36%. So that's kind of like peak James Harden, just like launching pull up threes. Luca this year, Cody, seven pull up threes per 36. And he's making 36% of them. So that's where I, I see the similarities sometimes between them, um, where it's like, okay, Luca actually has that dimension that's kind of similar already to where Harden is. What about drives? Luca this season, 20 drives per 36 minutes, 66% true shooting on those drives. That puts him in the 93rd percentile. Harden in 2018, uh, 17 drives per 36 at 61% true shooting. That also puts him, did I say the 93rd percentile? Because he's in the 93rd percentile there. So just a lot of similarities when you look at some of the statistical profiles like that. Okay. I... I'm going to back off a little bit here, Ben. I, I feel like I'm reflecting on the podcast on the podcast right now. People, I've 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 read I've read like a hundred freshman papers in the last day. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say you've like preemptively read their comments <laughs> and you've already digested them because uh, that happens sometimes. We do a show and then you read the comment, especially when it's green field like this. Like Cody and I have never talked about this. Yeah. So no. so sometimes we we go through stuff on air. And then we process the conversation and we think about it. And it's weird. It's kind of funny. It's up to, I'll break the fourth wall here in this sense. Like it's funny as a podcaster to then have people react to your opinions that are instantly old because you're yeah. like, oh, I, I kind of feel differently than what I did two hours ago now that I've had this conversation. I imagine that's, that's what you're going through right now. Also, I thought you were just going to start reading tweets and I was going to say, this is the best show ever. <laughs> That's just it. We're just going to ignore everything we did and just see what's trending. So twenty Luca is 23 years old, Ben. He's 23 years old. At the same time, we're talking about the 2008 LeBron James series season, right? 2008 LeBron, like if you just think about all of the things that LeBron adds to his game, right? We get the bully ball. We get the shooting ability. We get his passing increase. He's not even peaked defensively at this point, right? Like there's so many more things he brings to his game. I think ultimately what I'm... I'm Maybe it's a little bit of frustration. Maybe frustration is the wrong word, but I don't think I'm quite ready to crown Luca in the way that I think I hear people crowning him at this very moment. But if I step back and I'm like, 23-year-old Luka Doncic, this is what he's bringing to the table right now, yeah, he can be there. And maybe that's why I'm being so critical. It's like the person that gets a 97% on their paper. I'm going to tear it apart so much because I want them to get up to 100 when I'm just like, look, did you think about this counter? Did you think about this one? You know, we're talking about on the margins here of a player that's on the the precipice of becoming an MVP type player, an all-time type player sort of thing. So maybe that's the angle that I'm coming from. Do, do you think he's having one of the best 23-year-old seasons in the history of the league? Actually, don't don't answer that. Don't answer that. Let's tackle that. We'll tackle that. Okay. We can't do that next week because I think next week we have to do um, 
sub all-stars we have to do our sub on one of my favorite podcasts oh my goodness of the year yeah we're gonna have the all-star teams finally revealed here officially coming up and then next week we'll we'll do our sub all-stars so so we're looking forward to that but i do think we have to come back Mm -hmm. the the part two of this conversation to me is looking at where you know he is as a 23 year old we talked about lebron fittingly we talked about lebron and the best old seasons i do think we have to come back and do the best young seasons in league history and talk about where where he fits in. Yeah, so if I'm going to come back and say yes, then I'm just going to look kind of like the last hour I wasted everyone's time. But I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think I brought up some fair points. I think I came in, I, you know, like, like Maverick, I came in a little hot to that diner, right? I crash-landed a little too much. I, I pushed Mach 9.4 or whatever was safe hey, spoilers, to go past. Spoilers, come on. This is the first two minute two minutes of the movie but it's the first two minutes of the movie two minutes of, okay for i've never addressed this on on here but hearing dave dufour say that he's never seen top gun maverick like i don't know about you but i've never thought of somebody that would like top gun maverick more like dave more would be dave. vibrating yeah. you know vibrating. what da- you know what dave texted did, did, no he didn't text me this he said it on the show right he said it live he on this alive. show, he said, I would love if they made a Top Gun that was like Mission Impossible in a plane. <laughs> and I don't know if we have that recording somewhere. I'll try to get that recording up on YouTube if we do. But uh, I almost fell out of my seat. Uh, this is a this is a go go to Twitter and at Dave and, and tell him <laughs> that he needs to watch <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Um, I think that's it for this show. If you want to if you want to support this podcast, check out patreon.com slash thinking podcast that's where you get our daily stats leaderboards that we reference throughout the show they help me make videos and podcasts and things like that patreon.com slash thinking basketball we also have our uh, next monthly q a coming up actually it's going to be in a couple weeks here i'm noticing it's only february 2nd we just had one about a week and a half ago those are always fun uh cody anything you want to say before we get out of here uh man i said too much today already (laughs) (laughs) thanks as always for listening all the way through on this one and of course wherever you are especially especially if you are into big jelly uh, i hope you're having (laughs) a great day (laughs)